So this weekend we turn our attention to John chapter 10. As we turn there, I do want to take a moment and just pause and open ourselves up to whatever it is that God wants to say to us this weekend. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? I realize that I am just a guy, a man, imperfect in all of my ways. And so today I offer um, this message to you. I ask that you would illuminate your word, that you would speak life and truth to us. Would you transform us? We are not here, oh God, as simple observers. We are not here to be entertained. We are here to enter into relationship with our creator. I know that you speak to us through your word, so would you open our hearts and our minds to receive whatever it is you want to say to us this weekend. Amen. Have you ever felt that life was moving so quickly, so fast, that you felt pinned against a metaphorical wall? As a kid growing up in the 80s, I loved going to amusement parks. Uh, There was one in our area called Fantasy Island. It was on Grand Island, New York, very close to where I grew up at. And and I loved loved rides, loved roller coasters, but there was one one attraction I was terrified of. It was called the Devil's Hole, right? Real picture of it. And this this ride, I mean, so if you if you go inside, basically on this ride, you you get into a cylinder tube, right? And you stand against the wall, and then it starts spinning. And the faster it spins, it kind of pins you against the wall, and then the floor drops out, and you just stick to the wall. You could even turn yourself upside down, as some of those individuals did, as others watched your face in terror. Now, all these people are smiling. I think that's photoshopped, because this ride was terrifying. When I eventually worked up the courage to ride it because I didn't want to be made fun of by my friends anymore. Getting off was a dizzying experience, spinning around in circles as you are pinned against the wall. Oh, our society has been for several years accelerating at an exponential pace. And because of that, the expectations that we have of ourselves and of others grow with it. I mean, now, I'll get, I'll get a text message from one of my kids asking a question. And if I don't respond in like five seconds, they send another one with just a question mark. As if I have nothing else to do with my life but respond to all these messages. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You call someone, you send someone a message, you expect an immediate answer because that's how society is going. We go to a restaurant, and if we have to wait more than 20 minutes, oh, what are they doing back there? Killing the cow? I mean, we get so frustrated. Do you know how long it takes to cook dinner at your house? Right? We just, these expectations that we have. 
the advancements of technology, we, we have no tolerance for slow. Some of you remember when the internet first became a public commodity, we had dial-up and there was that noise that... You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, that was fast. Now, if we're not instantly connected, we're on the phone with Spectrum. What is going on? I paid for high-speed internet. Some have suggested that the pace of society is moving so quickly that we've designed a world in which we were not created in nature to live in. I read a story this week, maybe you've heard it. It was by a woman named Letty Kalman, who was a devotional writer from over a century ago. She tells the story of an Englishman who was exploring the deepest jungles of the continent of Africa. He traveled as if he were British royalty. He brought with him fine wines, the best of his foods, stacks of books, parchments, furniture, and clothing. He brought so many things with him on his trip through Africa that he had to hire an army of strong men from the local villages to portage all of his materials, all of his belongings, all of his possessions through the jungle. On the first day of his grand safari, he pushed his laborers hard at an exhausting, seemingly God-forsaken pace. So on the second morning, when he got up to continue... Those workers refused to move. Frustrated, he finally got the answer. One of the young men explained that they weren't especially tired. Rather, they had gone so hard and so fast on the first day, they had to wait for their souls to catch up with their bodies. Oh, I don't read that literally, but have we ever found ourselves so fatigued that we are waiting for our soul to catch up with the pace of our life. I mean, could it be that we're moving at such a fast pace that we're walking through all the wrong doors? I mean, our lives include choice. Everything we do is a choice, and often we refer to those choices as doors. We've even said things like, I'm just waiting for God to open up a door. Oh, we have lots of choices, lots of doors, and we spend our lives walking through them. I mean, the door really is just a threshold, right, from one space to another. If I, if I walk out of the doors of the sanctuary, I walk from one threshold to another. I walk, walk in from the worship place to the lobby, and if I walk out the next set of doors, I walk out from the lobby into, to the outside world, right? It's, a door is simply a threshold, and we spend our lives walking through all kinds of thresholds. Some are filled with grand opportunity and others, oh, others make us step back with regret. Why did I ever walk through that door? Some doors are actually unexpected surprises. Years ago, I I was in Chicago and a friend of mine said, oh, if you're in Chicago, there is a coffee shop. It's called Sawada Coffee. It is the best you'll ever have. So I hired an Uber they dropped me off in front of Sawada Coffee, and this was the door. This is a picture of it. I took a picture of it. I took that picture. And I looked at that door, and I said, it looks like a brothel, and that's the coffee shop? 
But when I went in, it it opened into this expanse, amazing coffee shop. Some of the best coffee I've ever had was through that very unexpected door. We are in a series of messages right now called Jesus in His Own Words. Over these weeks, we are hearing what Jesus says about himself in his own words. And today in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to make a bold proclamation. He's going to say, I am the door. Some translations say the gate. I am the door. I am the gate. In the gospel of John, Jesus makes seven of these anthropomorphic comparisons about himself. He compares himself to other things. So in in John chapter 6, which we were in a few weeks ago, Jesus has worked a miracle, if you remember. There's 5,000 men that need to be fed, 20,000 people in total. And Jesus has been teaching them all day, and he says to his disciples, we've got to feed these guys, what do we have? And we've, well, this kid's got his lunch, it's a couple of fish and some bread, and Jesus blesses the bread and feeds the multitudes, and then he says from that moment, I, I am the bread of life. I am the one that will sustain your deep spiritual hunger. No one else but me can satisfy. Then the next chapter later, John chapter 7, we were there last weekend, Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles, this grand celebration in which the Jews lit these grand torches in celebration of the way that God led them through the desert with the pillar of fire in the Old Testament. And Jesus stands under these pillars of fire and he says, listen, I, I am the light of the world. I am the one that illuminates. I am the one that exposes. I am the one that brings light into the world. John chapter 8, there is this dispute that arises amongst the religious people people as to who Jesus is. Even dating back to the time of Jesus, there has been division in churches over who Christ really is. And so Jesus says to them, Listen, John chapter 8, verse 58. Before Abraham was born, I am. Which was a reference to the Old Testament in which Moses was given the name I am by God himself from the burning bush. And the the religious leaders pick up stones and they're going to stone him because he's claiming to be God. And it says Jesus slipped away from the temple grounds. And then John chapter 9 Jesus encounters a blind man, and this blind man is with Jesus, and Jesus kneels on the ground, makes some mud, spits in it, which is kind of gross. I mean, when you think about it, he just hawks a loogie into the dirt and makes some mud and puts it on the man's eyes, and he washes and he can see. It's a miracle. But Jesus does this on the Sabbath, and so the religious leaders are furious. How dare he make mud on the Sabbath? Never mind that he healed this guy of blindness right in front of their eyes, but he worked. Making mud was work, so you can't do that. And so they they go to this blind guy and say, who healed you? We can't believe he did this. He's a sinner. How can he do that? And the blind man says, I don't know. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. There's only one thing I know. I once was blind, and now I see. I am the light of the world who can make the blind see. And so now we come to John chapter 10. We're going to spend time in John chapter 10 this weekend and next weekend. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate or the door, 
but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now what you need to understand is that in this moment, Jesus is having this this dialogue with the religious leaders of his day, the clergy, the pastors, whatever word you want to use. He's, he's having this conversation with them, and it's happening, most believe, during the festival of Hanukkah, the season in which Israel, in part, were reminded of the failed leadership of their leaders during the Maccabean era and during the time of exile in in Babylon, right? So that's what Jesus is speaking to these these shepherds, these leaders of Israel about right now. He's say he's basically pointing them back to their exile in Babylon. Because in the exile of Babylon, it was when the prophet Ezekiel spoke about the shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel speaking during the exile berates the leaders or the shepherds of Israel for not taking care of the flock. Ezekiel says this in verse 4 of Ezekiel 34. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Now, Ezekiel's not talking about actual sheep. He's talking about the religious leaders and the people that they're supposed to be caring for, leading while they're in exile in Babylon away from their country, home country. So Jesus now takes this I am statement. He says, I am basic. I'm a shepherd. I'm the gate. And he talks about sheep, pens, and pastures. And these words, shepherds and gates and pens and pastures, become the principal image for describing leadership in Jesus' day, but it can also be expanded into a metaphor for any day livings. What Jesus is essentially saying is that anyone who sidesteps the gate, anyone who ignores the door, which is him, to get to the sheep, are a thief. We translate it as the word robber, but they're a thief, and the literal word means an insurrectionist. Anyone who sidesteps Jesus... Anyone who tries to go in any other way is a thief and an insurrectionist. What people would have immediately thought of in that day would have been a sheep pen. And robbers would, at night, come to the sheep pen and go to the back. One would kind of leap over and toss the sheep over while someone else waited and take off with with the sheep without the shepherd knowing it. 
So, so what Jesus is speaking to in this moment is misguided religious leadership that leads to toxic spirituality. Because what Jesus was saying is these leaders are using their religious authority to exploit people. Jesus calls it sheep stealing. And he's saying to the Pharisees, can you imagine the most important religious people of the day? Jesus is saying, you guys are a bunch of sheep stealers. You're robbers and insurrectionists. And you're bringing toxicity to the faith. Oh, I'd have been so mad if I was one of them, wouldn't I? And I bet you would be too. Jesus is criticizing, he's condemning the Pharisees for abusive leadership with his mind turned towards Ezekiel. The shaming, the controlling, the using a position of power for personal gain, manipulation. The word, the modern word, that could be used to describe what Jesus is addressing is the word spiritual abuse. Maybe you've experienced this kind of behavior in a church, being shamed or controlled or manipulated by a person in power for their personal gain or the controlling of your soul. I believe that pastors and leaders can, and as we've seen in the headlines, do become abusive to the congregation that they're supposed to be leading, that they're supposed to be serving. Oh, it's so easy to stand on a stage and get a power trip when people tell you how great you are. Oh, it goes to your head so quickly. We just had a staff retreat last week, and I said to to our pastors, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to go by all of our offices and rip the name pastor off our doors and replace it with the word servant. Because the job of shepherds is to serve. Oh, but there's another side to this story, because as I've seen, congregations can also be abusive to their leaders to their pastors. Some of my friends say, I love pastoring my church, but sometimes the sheep bite. (laughs) Fifteen years ago, I came very close to walking away from ministry because the church that I was serving made me feel like a complete failure placed on me unrealistic and exhausting expectations. And I thought, if this is what it's about, I'm, I'm out. So Jesus is saying to these powerful men, you guys are thieves, insurrectionists, and abusers because you're not going through the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate, verse 9. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Oh, we often quote verse 10, and we we reference the thief as Satan, which I suppose that could be true. But Jesus is also calling the Pharisees the thieves that steal, kill, and destroy. See, what Jesus is saying is, I am... 
the sole legitimate means of access to God. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved. I am the sole legitimate means of access. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of Scripture. Anyone that tries to go another way. So those that were hearing it, these words would have, would have thought of two things because there were two types of sheep pens. The first would have been a sheep pen in a local community. Often people were poor and couldn't afford their own personal pens and so a community pen would be built in, in the center of a town. There would be a wall around it and there would be a physical gate that would be placed in front of the pen so those, no one could go in and out and there would be a guard placed in front of the gate. Jesus says, I'm the gate. But sometimes the shepherds would take their sheep out into the wilderness to graze. And so they would build a makeshift sheep pen out of whatever material they could find. And because they often couldn't find material for the gate, the shepherd would lay across the opening and they would physically serve as the gate themselves. So so Jesus is saying, I am the gate. This is a bold statement. Uh, Jesus is saying, I am the threshold between heaven and earth. I am the threshold between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of the world. There are some that say, well, no, Mike, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways to God. Well, not according to, to what Jesus just said. He said, I am, like, I'm the gate. I am the access. I am the threshold to what he calls Pasture. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture coming in and going out. The word pasture is often a reference to, to peace and fulfillment and joy. We get this image from Psalm 23. King David writes this marvelous psalm and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, which is a a metaphor for, for peace and tranquility. I, I've done a little bit of reading on sheep because I, I mean, Jesus talks about sheep a lot. And I, I read one book on sheep and the author suggested, now I'm not a farmer, so I don't, like I don't, I've been around sheep. You, you've been around sheep, right? This author suggests that, that sheep are very nervous. And this author suggested that that. A sheep, the sheep will not lay down unless they feel 100% calm and protected. If there's any sense of anxiety or danger, they will not lay down. So Jesus is saying, I am such a person of peace that in my presence, you can lie down wherever you find yourself, coming or going. You can find your pasture. You can find your peace. Now, I find it significant that Jesus spoke these words during the celebration of Hanukkah. Remember, it's pointing back to when the Jews were exiled in Babylon in 598 B.C. The Jews in Babylon, they suffered. They they faced powerful cultural pressure in a very foreign land. They were marginalized but yet they still were able to maintain their religious identity because their source was Yahweh, it was God, it was Elohim. And they thrived as a community in the midst of suffering. They made Babylon 
a place of green pastures because God was with them. To use the words of John, they still maintain their inner life, their inner peace, and their coming and their going because God was their source of peace, not the world around them. So now Jesus in the Gospels and the Apostle Paul in the Epistles, they write to us, like you, you are not of this world. You're foreigners. You're citizens of the kingdom of God. And so when I read those words from both Jesus and the epistles of Paul, it would seem that we as modern day Christians are more like exiles in Babylon than we are Jews in the promised land. Because see, if we try to find our sense of comfort and peace and stability from what's happening around us, we will always find ourselves on shaky ground. See, Jesus says the way to live a full life, it's not about succumbing to or fighting against culture. It's about lying down in the green pastures that I provide. The Apostle Paul writing to the Colossian church says this, may the peace of Christ rule in your heart. May may the defining source of ruling in your heart, not be fear, not be anxiety, but the peace that comes only from Christ. So I suppose the question should be asked, what is it then that robs us of our peace? What robs us of this full life that Jesus talks about? Because he says you can have a full life, a peaceful life, a tranquil life, a life with no fear right now, even in the midst of a morally, economically, and politically unstable world. Because my green pasture, my green pasture's not out there. It's when I walk through the right threshold. But you've got to go through the gate. Each day, I choose to walk through the gate. I choose to walk through the door, the only door that promises me life and life to the full. And the truth is, I spent a lot of my life living fast, pursuing, fighting, getting involved in so many sociological, political areas and building a name for myself and Sometimes it felt like I was climbing over the side of the pen, listening to other voices rather than going through the gate. And I'll tell you, it's exhausting to live that way. Because like a, like a sheep that's so nervous and anxious and fearful that it can't lay down, I could not lay down. My life was moving at such a fast pace where I finally sat behind my desk and I said, I just can't do this anymore. Oh, because there's a better way. And Jesus said, if you want... If you want to find life and life abundantly, you've got to come through the door. So what's robbing you? Is it the force of life pinning you against the wall, the pace? Is it possible that we've allowed ourselves to be stolen over the side, listening to strange voices that lead us in strange directions? Oh, The good news is the invitation is always available to walk through the gate, to walk through the door. Jesus said, I am the gate. 
Anyone who walks through me will find eternal life, will find green pasture, will find life and life to the full. Lord, you are our shepherd. And because you are our shepherd, we shall not want. In your presence, O oh God, you make us lie down in green pastures. We can we can lie in the green grass of your presence. Of your peace that passes all logical understanding. I recognize that the first God, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Because I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you are my source of hope. My only source of hope. Oh, and that brings me great joy. Father, I, I, I can well up with joy in the midst of any circumstance because I know, I know that each day when I walk through the gate, I'm going to find green pastures. And so I pray for us all today, God. I pray for those that are struggling with, with fear and anxiety that, oh God, you would let us lay in the green pastures of your peace. You're the gate. You're the threshold to a full life. Give us the courage each day to walk through it. Amen. 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 So grace and peace to you as you go. This week, may you walk through the door and find your green pastures. Amen. 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 Have a great week.